0: Well, if you would take your Bible tonight and turn to First Peter, and chapter one. 1 Peter, and chapter one. <clears throat> We're going to continue on with uh, the doctrine of salvation. We started this last Wednesday night, and we looked at the problems of salvation. Now they're not. It's it. when, when I, I I hesitate to use the word problem when I talk about the holiness of God because that's not a problem. But when it comes to us being saved. That's a pretty big problem because there's no way that you and I could match up with His holiness. He is completely pure. He is 100% holy. Um, In fact, as I mentioned last Wednesday, He's holy, holy, holy. Uh, We find that reference in Isaiah chapter six and then Revelation chapter number four uh, that God is holy, holy, holy. Well. And we're not, and then so we looked at the holiness of God, then we looked at the sinfulness of man, and, well, when you put the two and two together, uh, that's not a good thing, because all of us are sinners. There's not a one of us that can say we're perfect. We're, we fall woefully short of God's glory, of God's holiness. And as a result, then there's, the thirdly, we, we mentioned the penalty of sin. Uh, that's, a, that, that's a big problem. Okay, because according to the Word of God, there is a penalty for our sin, and it's um, a place called hell, which uh, ultimately ends up uh, becoming, well, those in hell eventually end up in the lake of fire, which burneth with fire and brimstone, and that's the second death. So, we looked at the the problems of salvation, and and there there are some big ones. Our condition and the course that we were on to a place called hell. Big problems, well, then we talked about the provision. The provision of salvation, God made a way, in spite of all the problems, God, in His love, and His mercy, and His grace, and His sovereignty, provided a way so that we didn't have to pay for our sin ourselves. He sent His Son to pay the sin price for us. And if we would simply accept that payment and uh, believe on Him, we could have eternal life and be rescued from that penalty of sin. And so um, I'm so thankful that God made a way for salvation. Well, tonight we're going to continue on uh, from there. And First uh, Peter chapter number one. Let's pick it up here in verse number uh, fifteen. But as he which hath called you is holy, and here's again another reference to God's holiness. So be holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, "Be holy, for I am holy." if you call on the Father who, without respect of persons, judgeth according to every man's work past the time of your sojourning here in, the, in fear. And then here it is in verse number 18. Here's the point I want us to think about tonight. For as much as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. And uh, we'll, we'll stop there right now. Um, but let's, let's take a moment and uh, have a word of prayer and ask God's blessing upon this time in His Word. Father, we uh, just come before You. We thank You for providing a way of salvation for us. Um, Lord, You did not have to... Um, as far as what we deserved, um, we certainly did not deserve you to provide that way but Lord we are eternally grateful that you did and God thank you for um, being willing to go through that process and God I pray that you would help us to understand uh, this matter of salvation and and Lord I know that uh, I'm speaking to uh, probably the vast majority of us here tonight are are saved we've been born again we've Uh, received that uh, provision of salvation, but but God, I pray that you'd help us to have a greater understanding of it, a greater appreciation for it, a greater desire to share that uh, with those around us as a result of our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So Peter here, as he writes this book, one of the reasons he writes it is to kind of remind them of their salvation. In verse number 18, for as much as you know... Um, he's saying, hey, don't you remember that you were redeemed, um, with not with corruptible things, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ? He's basically trying to stir up in their mind uh, this idea of their salvation. And it's, it's good for us to be reminded on a, on a regular basis to uh, be led back to Calvary. I like the song that we sing here from time to time, Lead Me to Calvary. Because um, sometimes we, um, lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget Thy love for me, lest I forget thine agony. Because a lot of times we got kind of get, you know, in the in the grind of life, you know, and we got to go to work, and we've got kids to take care of, and you know, we've got. Uh, for those who you were retired you've got prices right to watch i mean there's things that you've got to get done right i'm kidding i imagine very few of you actually watch that i do i do like watching that show from time to time um, but i'm not retired so i don't get to do it very often anyway um, the point is um, the point is we've got we've got things that we're doing in our lives and and we can kind of get lost in our minds of what jesus did for us and and, and peter says look let's bring it back Let, let's let's remember what Christ did for us. Let's re- remember our redemption. Let's remember what Christ did for us and, and not forget. okay So this was something that these Christians who were scattered abroad uh, they knew about their redemption, but they needed to be reminded about it. And uh, I think from time to time we also need to be reminded about what Christ did for us. So with that in mind, let's jump into a couple thoughts here. Uh, tonight, Number one, let's look at the price of our salvation, the price of salvation. Verse number 18, Peter tells us that our redemption had a price, and it says, you were redeemed. And redeemed has the idea of being purchased, and, and it, it costs something, and it costs God quite a bit. He says in verse number 18, it was, um, the price was not with gold or silver. In other words, you cannot buy your way to heaven. It doesn't matter how rich somebody is. I mean, Jeff Bezos or uh, Elon Musk or Bill Gates or any of the high rollers in our world today, though they have more money than they know what to do with, are still not able to purchase their way to heaven. You can't can't go to God and say, okay, well, uh, you know, name your price. God says, "No, no, no! You, you don't understand. That's not how it is. No, no, no! They're like, have you checked my bank account? I can, whatever it takes. I want to pay for my way to heaven. No, can do, my friend. That's not how it is. For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold." And then it's, um, but it was in verse number nineteen. He tells us what the price was with. The precious blood of Christ. So we were purchased with the blood of Christ. That was the payment necessary to purchase our salvation, to make that way, uh, that, to provide a way of salvation for each and every one of us. The precious blood of Christ. Um, you say, well, that, that's, that's Peter's words. Um, do we really want to believe Peter's words? I mean, after all, he denied the Lord. Yeah, he did, but of course we know that First Peter and Second Peter are all uh, the Word of God, and um, we we know that. But then, if in case you're wondering, he wasn't the only one to talk about the blood of Christ, because Paul also did. Ephesians chapter one and verse number seven says, "In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace." And then uh, Colossians 1 and verse number 20 says, And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. By Him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And then uh, uh, the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20 said, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which ye hath purchased with His Anybody know the next two words? Own blood. So He purchased with His own blood. And Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 5 says this, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto Him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in His own blood. So the blood of Christ, that was paid or that was shed for us on the cross of Calvary, that was the price of our redemption. That price um, was three, three descriptions of the price that was paid for us tonight. First of all, the price that was paid for us, it was expensive. It wasn't like you can, you know, uh, I don't know how much money you men spent on your wives for Valentine's Day just a couple weeks ago Um, I'm not going to tell you how much I spent but do you want to know how much the Lord spent to purchase the greatest gift known to man he gave him he gave his only son and it cost him his entire life the price of our salvation was not cheap it literally cost the son of God his very blood and his life now, innocent blood was always necessary to atone for sin. When you go all the way back to the very beginning, this is the price for the covering and the atonement of sin. Let's turn in our Bibles very quickly tonight to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter number three. And I want to show you in the Bible where, the first, where blood was first shed. Genesis chapter number three, we have the account of Adam and Eve in the garden, and the serpent and the and Eve and the woman uh, were having this conversation, and the serpent questions God's word, casts doubt in her mind about the word of God. Well, then in verse number um, verse number six of Genesis chapter number three, we know that Adam took of the fruit that he was not supposed to. Verse 6, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, did eat, gave also under her husband with her. And that, that little with her here is, uh, is an interesting uh, phrase. So, as she's having this conversation, he's with her? Interesting. Why didn't he pipe up and say, that's not what... Um, and, and there, there's some speculation on where, where they all were in location to each other, but it does say here in verse 6, Under her husband with her, anyway, he did eat, and he did eat, verse 6. And the eyes of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So this is the first attempt in verse number 7 for man to try to cover his own sin. And so, he and his wife, they make these fig leaves and uh, made themselves aprons, and uh, they were trying to cover their nakedness, trying to cover their sin. Well, you go on down to verse number 20, uh, 21. Now, here God, after issuing the, the curse upon man and upon the woman and upon the serpent, Verse number 21, unto Adam also, and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. Now, where did God get these coats of skins? He got them from an innocent animal that shed its blood so that man could not cover his sin on his own. And so God said, no, no, what you're doing is not sufficient. You need an innocent lamb, an innocent animal, to shed its blood and we're going to take those coats uh, of skin and we're going to cover you up properly. And so the shedding of blood was required here in Genesis chapter number 3. Then you go down to chapter number 4, and uh, verse number 1, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived, bare Cain, Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. She again bare his brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And uh, then we end up knowing what happens. Um, The Lord issues a a warning in verse number 7. Hey, if you don't get right with me right now, uh, you're about to fall into some serious sin. Well, verse number 8, he totally ignores the Lord's warning and uh, commits the very first murder in all of human history. Okay, but before that, okay, when we have the... um, the worship here that was taking place, these offerings that Abel and Cain both brought. Cain was a tiller of the ground, so he got all the fruit that you know he had planted and and uh, you know made sure he sprayed weed eater on it and you know took care of it and, and and so he takes that fruit and offers that to the Lord. God does not have respect unto that. Abel, he's a keeper of the sheep, and he takes one of his lambs and slays that lamb and spills that. Innocent lambs, blood, and then offers that lamb as a sacrifice to the Lord. And God says, that's, that's good, Abel. But Cain, you, you, you didn't get the memo. Now, a lot of people are wondering, well, why, like, we don't know that God gave instruction here. Like, there's no real instruction. Why did God, I mean, I'm sure Cain was very sincere and genuine in his worship and his sacrifice, the thing is, I, I believe that God made it very clear when Adam and Eve were covered with those coats that that was the type of worship that he wanted. And, and uh, evidently, he made that clear to Adam and Eve, who then made it clear to Abel and Cain. And Cain was like, no, 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 I'm going to do it my way. I'm going I'm to be sincere. I'm going to be genuine, but I want to do it my way. And, and God says, "No, no no, um, if you're going to come to me, you need to come to me my way, not your own way And uh, just a just a little kind of going back to some things I mentioned on Sunday night regarding the Asbury revival, um, you know I, I believe that a lot of those people are very sincere and and genuine and and trying to offer worship to the Lord, but they're doing it maybe their own way rather than, than God's way. Because remember, God said, He that cometh to me, um, I'm sorry, they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And I, I feel like a lot of those folks there are, are, are worshiping Him in spirit, like the woman at the well. She worshiped God in spirit. I mean, she talked about, Oh yeah, we go to this place and we worship God there. Well, the thing is is when you, when you worship God, you need to worship Him according to not just spirit but also truth and and no doubt came worship God in, in his own sincerity, but he didn't go in the way that God had uh, lined it up, and, and the way that God um, ordained it to be, and the way or, he ordained it to be required an innocent animal to be sacrificed and then we find throughout the Old Testament all these sacrifices. Um, we, we, we even read about the, the, the Passover when um, you got to take that innocent animal and take the blood and apply it to the doorposts and to the upper post of the door. And, and the death angel, as he comes over, he sees the blood, and then he passes over. And it's all, it, it all points to the fact that one day Jesus, the Lamb of God, would spill His innocent, pure, sinless blood for you and for me And when we apply that blood to our lives, then God shows mercy upon us and we can be saved. It it was expensive. It it cost him his very blood. And a blood sacrifice was always required to remove sin and to atone for sin. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So blood had to be shed, and it had to be pure, sinless blood for our sins to be completely covered. Um, So did Jesus shed blood? Well, the answer is yes, but let's look at the Scriptures here tonight together. uh, Very quickly, let's turn to Luke chapter 22. And let's look at the times when Jesus shed blood throughout His passion, throughout His Um, sacrifice so Luke 22 verse number 44 here Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane he is thinking about what lies ahead of him and he says in verse number 42 father if thou be willing remove this cup from me nevertheless not my will but thine be done there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So, automatically, our minds think when Jesus shed his blood, we think of the cross. And we'll get there in a moment, but... Before he ever went to the cross, he was there in the garden, and he was in such agony that um the surface vessels on his um, uh, in in his skin uh, began to burst, and he ended up bleeding because of the stress that he was under and uh Medical doctors tell us. That this is definitely a condition that can happen when you're under that type of uh, stress and agony, and no doubt Jesus had that. I mean, the Bible says that He did. So He was shedding blood there in the garden before He was ever uh, any any type of weapons were were used against Him. But then, if you go to uh, Matthew chapter twenty-seven, Matthew chapter twenty-seven. And then it's going to, we're going to continue seeing him shed blood. And in verse number 26, it says, Then released he, this is um, uh, Pilate, Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. So scourging was when the um, the Romans would take a cat of nine tails, and they would take the prisoner and... Um, either hang them from some type of um, pole or post in the ceiling that they were able to tie that prisoner to, or a post. But but either way, the, the, the skin of that prisoner, Jesus in this case, his skin was stretched really tight, and uh, so there was just no looseness there. And then they would take that cat of nine tails and they would whip it around the, the back of, of Jesus. And these little... Um, So the Keta Ninetales was this leather handle here with nine different leather straps attached to it. And on each of those leather straps, there were sharp objects tied to and connected to these uh, leather straps. So some like um, bone, uh, sharp rocks, those type of things. And so they would they would swing that around and those things would would kind of bite into the flesh of the prisoner and, and Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior, in this case. And, and then they would just kind of rip that cat of nine tails out. So just kind of just cutting, cutting, and cutting. And so that's what it says here when he had scourged Jesus. I mean, this, this went on and on and on. And, and uh, the Apostle Paul dealt with this. But he was, uh, he was scourged. He dealt with these, uh, this type of torture, but it was from the Jews. And the Jews had a superstition that um, if, you, if you do it 39 times, you better stop because the 40th time probably will kill that prisoner, will kill that person. And so that's why I, Paul said, of the Jews, five times received I uh, 39 stripes. Um, now here... Uh, Jesus was not scourged by Jews. He was scourged by the Romans, and the Rom- Romans didn't stop at 39 times. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how much they went up to, but uh, they didn't have that type of uh, rule. They just kind of did it until they were satisfied. And so Jesus, in that, absolutely lost, no doubt, a lot of blood. So He uh, shed His blood there at the scourging, and then... Verse number 27 continues on, or verse 26, When he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus in the common hall, gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. Okay? Um, How many of you have ever cut yourself and you put a Band-Aid on, and then you need to change the Band-Aid, but you don't want to because it's going to be really owie? (laughs) And it's going to open up that wound again. So as they put this scarlet robe on Jesus, I imagine that the cloth of this robe kind of stuck to his um, wounds that were there on his back and torso. Well then, it says here in verse 29, when they had platted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, "'Hail, King of the Jews!' And they spit upon him, and took the reed and smote him on the head. So they had this crown of thorns that they made, and they weren't the little, you know, puny rosebush thorns that we have here. They were long, from what I can tell, they were a couple inches in length. These long thorns um, that they would kind of they formed this crown out of mockery for the one who said he was the king of the Jews. And they put it on his head, and they, I'm sure they didn't set it on there real carefully and say, ooh, we don't want to hurt him. I'm sure they put it on them pretty harshly. And then it goes on to say in verse 29 again, uh, they put a reed um, in his right hand, kind of like this you know, mocked, um, mock scepter, and they bowed the knee before him, mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spit upon him, and then they took that reed that he was holding, and they smote him on the head. So almost like a hammered, kind of pounding that crown of thorns into his scalp. So he's got, you know, he shed his blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. He shed his blood at the scourging. Now he's shedding blood on his, from his head through this crown of thorns. Okay? And then verse number 31, after that, they had mocked him. They took the robe off of, from him. I remember when, uh, when, when Mark, okay, so this is... Uh, This was not our finest moment as parents, okay? We have a lot of those. (laughs) We have a lot of not our finest moments as parents. But this past year, uh, back in August of 2022, so just a few months ago, we went on vacation to Branson. Well, we thought it would be fun, and it was for a little while, uh, but we rented a boat, and we were going to do some tubing there on uh, one of the lakes there in Branson, And everything was going really well until it was my turn to be in the tube, on the tube. And so I'm there on the tube. I'm out kind of way away from the boat, and there's a big long rope that's attached. And my wife hadn't really learned how to um, run the boat yet, but now it was her turn to run the boat because I was out on the tube. I wanted to turn on the tube. And so I did this with everybody, you know, when... And I did it with, when my wife was on the tube, I just kind of gunned it, you know, right away. And she's like, oh, so she wanted to get me back. And so she guns it. Well, the problem was, um, the, some of the rope was still on the boat. And um, Mark was standing there looking behind the boat at me. And he was kind of at the rail that the rope was attached to. And as she gunned it, that rope was kinda going all over the place and ended up catching his leg. And she kinda went for it and his leg kinda got attached to the the rail and he had a really nasty, nasty uh, rope burn. Okay, so he started crying like to the point where he couldn't breathe. And I'm looking at this, I'm like, <laughs> it's all happening in fast motion, but also slow motion because I can see it all happening, but I couldn't do anything about it. It was kind of a helpless moment. And uh, she was, you know, my wife was just trying to get me back, and she wasn't really thinking that everything, anyway. So he had a terrible, terrible rope burn. I mean, he was in extreme pain the rest of the day, the rest of our vacation. And we had to wrap this thing multiple times a day. And every time we took that wrapping off, he was like Mister Panic City Boy. I mean, he just hated that time because every time he took that bandage off, no matter if we got like the non-stick bandages, it didn't matter. It still stuck a little bit, and we had to pull it off just ever so slightly. And and, and eventually, I had to come in and say, "Mark, let me just see this thing." <laughs> He's like, "No, no, 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 no! You're not touching this." And and I I just try to get that thing off, and I'm glad those days are, are over. I was just thinking about that today and, and uh, re- just reminding, of, reminding myself of that. But he, something very similar happens here in verse number 31. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe off from him. I mean, that's a little detail that most of us kind of skip over, but as, as that cloth gets attached to his, his wounds and his open flesh, and they just kind of rip it aside and opens that all up again, and and no doubt that was painful. So, blood begins to flow again from that. And then, verse 31 says, and then they led him away to crucify him. As they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, and they compelled him to bear his cross, and they were come into the place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of school. And then we know that um, the crucifixion required uh, nails uh, four to six inches in length to be pounded through His hands and His feet, and as I was studying crucifixion, really what it was, most of us see pictures with Him with, you know, the nail through the palm of His hands, but probably it went through the wrist here, because if it was through the hand, He could have just ripped his hand off of that, and this was a more secure um, place to put the nail, he wasn't able to pull it out, uh, the, 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 the ones who were crucified. So as he lays his arms down on the cross piece, and his feet, by the way that one that goes through both feet, I, I, the amount of pain that had to cause is a little, is, is beyond comprehension really. And so, blood is coming from His hands, His feet, His head, His, his torso that has been ripped to shreds, and you think, boy, that's, that's a lot of blood that's been shed. Well, we're still not done. If you go to John chapter number 19, John chapter 19, I was going to show you that the price that was paid for your redemption, my friend, was expensive. This is what Jesus went through to pay the price for your sin and for mine. It was expensive. John 19 and verse number 31. Well, verse 30, Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar. He said, it is finished. And he bowed his head, gave up the ghost. So he dies. Verse 31, the Jews, therefore, because it was a preparation, that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day. for That Sabbath day was a high day. He sought Pilate that their legs might not be broken, that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and of the other, which was crucified with them. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. So even after he's dead he's shedding his blood. So again, um, when we go to 1 Peter 1, and, and it says this, For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with correctable things, the silver and gold, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Friend, it was expensive. It cost him everything. And the type of shedding of blood, it wasn't just like it was over. I mean, it was torture as it, as it went on. It was expensive. One more, or a couple more descriptions of the price that was paid for our redemption. It was expensive, but secondly, it was exclusive. It was exclusive. In other words, it was the only uh, sufficient payment for our sins. Again, we, we know we're not saved by works. We're, we're saved by grace through faith. But it's because works cannot get us to heaven, works cannot cover our sin. Adam and Eve, just ask Adam and Eve, hey, can works cover your sin? They're going to say, no, we, we tried. We tried the fig leaves, and we tried to sew ourselves aprons to cover our sin, but, but God said that wasn't enough. We needed, he needed a, a, an innocent lamb to give its life and to shed its blood so that we could, our sins could be adequately covered. See, it was exclusive. There was no other way. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, and that's the name of Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. See, it was exclusive. There's only one payment that could be made. You know, if we go to, well, many of us tonight, we went to McDonald's. That's where we ate dinner tonight, McDonald's, uh, because Pat McDonald was the cashier. And she said, welcome to McDonald's. <laughs> That's what she said to me when I walked in. And I'm like, I didn't know McDonald's uh, added spaghetti and meatballs to their menu. This is awesome. Um, but if you go to the other McDonald's, the Golden Arches, after church tonight, and say, I need me another dessert. Um, there's a couple ways you can pay, right? You can, you can pay with cash. You can pay with your card. You can pay with Apple Pay. Um, you can pay with gift cards. There's many ways that they will accept so that you get your second dessert tonight. Okay, when it comes to salvation, there was only one acceptable payment, and that was the blood of an innocent lamb there was no other other payment that could be made. And there's so many uh, parallels that we can look at in the Old Testament that come and are fulfilled in the sacrifice of Christ, but for sake of time, just know that it is exclusive. It's like the song that we sing here at Cornerstone sometimes, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's the only exclusive payment. And 35, 33 and a half years, Jesus never sinned, not one time. And as a result, His blood was pure, without blemish, and without spot and it was the exclusive only payment that could have been paid. I like this third characteristic of the price of our redemption, or the price of salvation. And that was, not only was it um, expensive, exclusive, but thirdly, it was enough. It was enough. That sacrifice that Jesus made there on the cross of Calvary over 2,000 years ago, or about 2,000 years ago, was sufficient to forgive me of all of my sin. And boy, did I have a lot of them. You don't need to say amen right there, okay? (laughs) Even though you all want to, I know. But listen, the moment that I got saved when I was a 12-year-old boy, when I trusted Christ as my Savior, that was the same moment that Jesus paid for all of my sin. It wasn't just all the sin that I'd committed up to that point, but He also covered and forgave all the sin that I would ever commit from age 12 all the way until the age that I die. So my past, my present, and my future sins had all been forgiven, had all been washed away. There's John the Baptist who said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He's able to cover it all. So he's he's been, it was enough to forgive me of all of my sin, but guess what? It was also enough to forgive the sin of the entire world. 1 John 2 and verse number 2 says, He is the propitiation for our sins and therefore ours only but also for the sins of the whole world so my friend the price that was paid for my redemption for my salvation was sufficient and enough for to forgive me of all of my sins but it's also enough to forgive you of all of yours and your neighbors and your co-workers and your family members and the person that you're going to come in contact with tomorrow maybe the doctor's office maybe the dentist maybe at the fast food place that you go to wherever you go His sacrifice was enough. Favorite story of mine is of the little boy who built a sailboat. He built a sail and had it all fixed up. He had it tarred and painted. He ended up taking it to the lake and pushed it in, hoping it would sail. Sure enough, a wisp of breeze. It wasn't in Oklahoma, because it wouldn't have been a wisp of a breeze. (laughs) Sure enough, a wisp of a breeze filled the little sail, and it billowed and went rippling along the waves. Suddenly, before the little boy knew it, the boat was out of his reach. Even though he waded in fast and tried to grab it, it was beyond what he could grab. As he watched it float away, he hoped maybe the breeze would change and it would come sailing back to him. Instead, he watched it go farther and farther until it was gone out of sight. When he went, up, went home crying, his mother asked, What's wrong? Didn't it, didn't it work, your boat? He said, it, it worked, but it worked too well. Sometime later, the boy was downtown and walked past a secondhand store. And there in the window, he saw something that was very familiar to him. He saw his boat. It was unmistakably his. He, he recognized every part of it. It was absolutely the same boat. So he went in and said to the store owner, uh, you know, that's my boat. He walked to the window, picked it up, and started to leave with it. The owner of the shop said, Whoa, wait a minute, sonny. That's my boat. I, I bought it from someone. The boy said, no, 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 it's my boat. I made it. See? And he showed him the little scratches and the marks where he hammered and filed. The man said, I'm sorry, Sonny, if you want it, you're going to have to buy it. Poor little guy didn't have any money, but he worked hard and saved up his pennies. And finally, one day, he had enough money. So he went in and bought the little boat. As he left the store holding the boat close to him, he was heard saying, You're my boat. You're twice my boat. First, you're my boat because I made you. And second, you're my boat because I bought you. Now, tonight, if you're saved, you're twice this. First, because he made you. And second, because he purchased you. He bought you. And he bought you with a price. That price, it was expensive, it was exclusive. Praise the Lord, it was enough. And because of that, what should we do then? Well, Paul answers that question in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20. You don't have to turn over there, but the verse says this. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, because we've been purchased, because we're twice His, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So this whole my body, my choice, no, no. If you're a believer... Your body doesn't belong to you anymore. I'm sorry. It belongs to Him. Your spirit, your attitude, hey, this is just the way I'm made. I'm stubborn. I'm German. I really am. So I have an excuse to be stubborn. I have an excuse to have kind of a bad attitude, right? No, I don't, because I've been bought with a price. And so I need to glorify God, not only my body, but also my spirit. And that's true for me, but guess what it's true for you too <laughs> so as we wrap it up tonight my question for you is I, I wanted to get to the the second thought but I'm out of time my thought my, my question for you tonight is are you just once his or are you twice his have you been bought with a price have you accepted the payment that Jesus made that expensive payment that exclusive payment that that the payment that was enough, have you accepted that into your life? Have you been saved? Have you been born again? If not, tonight could be the greatest night of your life if you come to Jesus and believe what he did for you. For those of us who have been, let's take the admonition of the Apostle Paul and and say, hey, I have been bought with a price. price. I better start glorifying God in my body I better start glorifying God in my spirit. People ought to be able to see that there is a difference in my life because of what Christ did for me. I hope that's the case, and I hope that we'll go from this place with that desire. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to consider the price that was paid for our salvation. God, it was expensive. Lord, as we walk through those scriptures and see Jesus on the cross, see Jesus before the cross, and then even after He gave up the ghost and see Him spill His pure, sinless blood, Lord, it just causes us to be thankful. And uh, Lord, I I thank You that Jesus paid it all, and as a result of that, all to You we owe. Uh, We can't pay You back. There's no way we could. But Lord, help us to live our lives in gratitude, help us to desire to glorify you in our body and our spirit, knowing that they all belong to you. You've purchased it. God, I pray, Lord, you'd help us to be thankful for the price that was paid for us and help us, Lord, to share that message with those around us. May they see our gratitude in the way we live, but also in our speech and, and, Lord, may you give us opportunities to share the gospel with people even this week. And God, thank you for salvation. And if there's one here tonight that hasn't trusted Christ, that has never been twice purchased, (laughs) twice yours, Lord, I pray that they would come to Christ tonight and, and be saved. And Lord, I thank you for our church, and thank you, Lord, for this evening and for the time of fellowship we had before. And uh, God, I ask that you'd uh, bless the prayer request time now in Jesus' name. Amen.